Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello, everyone. 50 years ago, Secretariat won the Kentucky Derby and went on to win the American Triple Crown, the first horse to do so since 1948. In this podcast, you will hear from Jay Hovde, an award-winning American journalist and national columnist for Blood Horse Magazine and Blood Horse Daily who has written four books on racing, including one of Cigar, the first winner of the Dubai World Cup. Jay also serves on the nominating committee for the Thoroughbred Racing Hall of Fame and is married to the Hall of Fame jockey, Julie Crone. Joining Jay on the podcast is Chris Goodlett, the Senior Director of Curatorial and Educational Affairs at the Kentucky Derby Museum. Jay gives expert insight into the legendary horse's racing career, while Chris talks about the new exhibition, Secretariat, America's Horse. Hello, Jay. Welcome back to the Paddock and the Pavilion. Stephen, it's uh, great to be with you again. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And we're going to learn more about Secretariat today. Uh, Big Red, you last appeared in April 2021 on the podcast. My goodness, has it been that long? What, uh, what, what's keeping me from contacting you? Well, that was episode 51. We're on about 191, I think, now. And we're also going to be hearing from Chris Goodlett from the Kentucky Derby Museum, who will appear during the podcast as well. Wonderful. That's a great idea. Well, let's go back to 1973 briefly. Can you believe it's 50 years ago since... A secretariat won the Kentucky Derby. Well, Stephen, quite coincidentally, that was my first year in the racing business. Uh, I was hired out of college uh, to work on the publicity staffs at uh, Santa Anita Park, Del Mar, and Hollywood Park. And uh, 1973 was my first full season on the Southern California circuit in that capacity. And Secretariat uh, reigning across the land was, uh, I just figured, racing's like this all the time, isn't it? Were you there at uh, Churchill Downs in 1973? I was not. I was manning the shop back in California uh, during the uh, Hollywood Park meeting. But we had a very uh, heavily vested interest in what went on at Churchill Downs that year because of sham uh, Sham, the pretense colt who came up through the uh, the stakes program at Santa Anita that winter, was uh, a, a very uh, commanding presence. Um, he was thoroughly tested by another very good three-year-old named Linda's Chief. They had quite a, uh, a a series of races together at Santa Anita, ending with uh, Sham winning the Santa Anita Derby, uh, equaling the stakes record at the time. And that stakes record had been set by Lucky Debonair, who won the Kentucky Derby of 1965, of course. So 
Cham was uh, sent east after the Santa Anita Derby with a lot of high hopes for Californians because, as far as we were concerned, Secretary was just some hotshot two-year-old who was a fly-by-night and winning a lot of New York races against New York horses. And uh, Californians weren't too easily impressed. Well, let's go back to the beginning of the Secretariat story. Uh, It's an interesting one with the owner, the trainer, the jockey and the groom. Were they all key to Secretariat success? Well, by the time Secretariat came along as a two-year-old in 1972, uh, they were pretty much wrapped up in the uh, adventure that they were living with Reva Ridge, his uh, year-older stablemate. I mean, he'd been a two-year-old champion. He'd been uh, uh, the Kentucky Derby and the Belmont Stakes winner. He was uh, the champion three or actually not champion three-year-old because he was bested in the ballot box by Keita the Mint. Uh, but uh, that was a bit of a controversy. So uh, as uh, 1972 ended, Reva Ridge was, you know, considered the stable favorite. Secretariat was, you know, a brilliant two-year-old who received enough national acclaim uh, to become uh, the horse of the year that year as a two-year-old, the first time that it ever happened since the balloting had been uh, begun by the daily racing form in the mid-1930s. So 1973 dawned with a pretty powerful two-horse stable for Meadow Stud, trainer Lucian Lauren, and owner Penny Chenery. For UK listeners, can you let us know a bit more about those four people I just mentioned, you know, the owner, trainer, jockey, and groom? Well, there was a very Canadian connection between the trainer and the jockey, of course, uh, Lucian Lauren and Ron Turcott, both uh, native Canadians. Um, they had uh, a pretty good relationship together. Uh, they'd won stakes together. Lucian Lauren himself had won a previous Belmont stakes uh, in the 60s. Uh, and he was uh, on his way to retirement, essentially, when uh, the Meadow Stable job came open. And uh, he was recommended and uh, accepted the job as sort of, well, you know, this is better than playing golf. Uh, and uh, took over uh, and uh, immediately had his hands on uh, two-year-old Reva Ridge, and then the following year, two-year-old Secretariat. Uh, Turcott was uh, a very much a known quantity. He was uh, well-respected, uh, on his way to the Hall of Fame, almost with or without Secretariat, as uh, one of the top stakes jockeys uh, on the New York-Florida circuit. Uh, as for Penny Chenery, uh, she was heir to the Meadow Stable that had been nurtured by her father, Christopher Chenery, who was uh, made his fortune in uh, Uh, power companies uh, along the East Coast uh, during the uh, middle of the 20th century. And um, as her father became uh, a little more frail and ailing, uh, as he aged, uh, Penny took a little more interest in the the operation of the stable. And uh, upon his death, uh, she was in full charge. Um, He did not get to see Secretariat in full bloom, uh, but um, she always deferred to her father's uh, mentoring and his spirit uh, as she took Secretariat through his adventures. Secretariat ran nine times as a two-year-old, but he lost his first race. Yeah, he's a you know big kind of growthy, uh, laid-back colt, and he got bounced around pretty good coming out of the gate that day. And uh, the uh, the jockey Benny Feliciano was under instructions to just you know make sure that he doesn't have a, a terrible experience in his first race. These were the days when, uh, you know, trainers used races to train their horses. Uh, that's not that he wasn't necessarily well meant, but uh, it just it just wasn't his day. So let's uh, let's not worry about him. Bring him back and and wait for the next one, which they did. And uh, he was off and running from there. And then at the end of his two year old season, or before he started his three year old season, he was syndicated. That was uh, upon the death of Christopher Chenery. Uh, estate taxes, uh, which uh, were and still are, I presume, difficult to avoid at that level, uh, required quite a hunk of uh, uh, the family's uh, liquid resources. And uh, so it was uh, it was arranged uh, through Claiborne Farm and through the, the son of the Claiborne Farm uh, establishment uh, breeder, Bull Hancock, uh, who had passed away also. Uh, this was a real second generation kind of operation for Secretariat because Seth Hancock, uh, Bull Hancock's son, 
was, uh, gosh, not yet 30 at the time. And he took charge of uh, the syndication and was able to put together shares uh, to value the horse at $6 million with the caveat that he would only race as a three-year-old and be retired. That would be quite unusual for a horse before they started their three-year-old campaign, though. That's true. Uh, but uh, the precedent that uh, Hancock was looking at was, um, I believe, was the syndication of uh, Nijinsky. Uh, and he wanted Secretariat to come in just a little bit uh, higher, just so he would have the advertising ability to say this is the world's most valuable stallion. And so he did. And, of course, at the time, Nijinsky was the uh, the reigning uh, uh, superstar that uh, that Europe had seen and the Triple Crown champion of England in 1970. So it was, um, you know, it, it was in the right spirit that uh, Hancock was, uh, was thinking. Moving on to the beginning of his three-year-old campaign, he lost his race before the Kentucky Derby at the Wood Memorial, only coming third. He did and never took the bit that day because he had a, uh, a small abscess uh, on his um, upper lip, I believe, that uh, just pretty much uh, prevented him from, from really being his very aggressive self through the last parts of his races, which he always had been. Um, it was shocking, of course, and that news did not come out immediately. So as far as much of the cognoscenti were concerned, well, here was just another son of bold ruler who wasn't going to be able to get the derby distance of a mile and a quarter. To that point, there had bold ruler had been the dominant um, stallion in America, but he is his uh, his sons had never won a Kentucky Derby um, and didn't look like they were going to, uh, even with Secretariat's uh, obvious superiority uh, over most of the uh, members of his class. The wood was very um, oddly run. Uh, there was uh, a, a slow pace setter. Uh, he kept going, and he was a decent quality horse who just happened to be a stablemate of Secretariat's. Sham came west from California to finish second. And, of course, Lafitte Pankai, his jockey, was watching Secretariat for most of the race and sort of let the horse on the lead a little bit uh, more comfortably loose than he should have been. And there you have it, uh, wire to wire for a long shot, and um, panic ensued. Two weeks later, the Kentucky Derby, what was the build-up like to the race? You've mentioned him before. You had high regard for Sham. My good friend and first employer in the racing business uh, named Dan Smith uh, of uh, Del Mar and Santa Anita at the time uh, always went back to Churchill Downs to uh, work with the publicity staff back there. There was kind of an all hands on deck for handling the media in those days and still is. So Dan was dispatched with, you know, my my precious ten dollars to bet on sham and uh, and uh, a plea for a, a, a daily update on how our horse was doing back there. Well, it was the morning, I believe, Tuesday before the uh, Kentucky Derby and Secretariat went out. Uh, for a five furlong exercise and absolutely you know blew the doors off the racetrack and i get a call from dan of course we didn't know about the workout in california until it would hit the newspapers later that day or the next day dan just said uh jay we're in trouble and that's all i needed to hear from dan because he knew what he was seeing he saw secretary in the absolute bloom of health uh any Anything lingering from the Wood Memorial was uh, was well past, and Sham was going to have to run the race of his life to uh, to be contentious. He did, and that wasn't good enough. Thirteen runners, but Secretariat was slow away. Well, that was his style, and uh, and no one was surprised. Uh, in fact, um, he was slow away. But the legend, one of the many legendary pieces of that particular Kentucky Derby is that he ran each quarter faster than the previous quarter, including the last. And to get to the uh, uh, the stakes in the track record, uh, that's pretty remarkable for any American thoroughbred. That is not the way we run our races over here, even at the, the very top of the game. And uh, that's what he did that day. And he just was in another orbit from the rest of the field 
and it was a pretty good field. There were some very good horses behind him, including uh, Forgo, who went on to have to be horse of the year in this country for three straight years once Secretariat had cleared the deck. After the Kentucky Derby, did he become even more of a sporting icon? Well, uh, there were skeptics. Um, you know, he had won one race in a row. Uh, <laughs> the uh, you know the 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 sporting world, uh, the general sporting world loves the Kentucky Derby, and of course, he made all the right you know headlines in doing what he did, setting a Kentucky Derby record and and that sort of thing. But uh, in the Preakness, he, he completely turned the stakes around where he was now in a, a different completely a different realm than other horses with his incredible move on the first turn to seize the race by the throat and simply you know run the rest of the field ragged uh his slow start was typical again in the preakness but going into the first turn turcott just decided that uh, we're not going to fool around with uh, trying to weave our way through this field or around and down and up and he took him on a, a circuit uh, route to the uh, back stretch around the field and was in front by the time they hit the back straightaway and improved his position from there yes he won the preakness by two and a half lengths uh, what was the hype like then for the belmont stakes uh, with the sort of chance of winning the triple crown well that's when it really kicked into high gear of course uh, we've uh, all seen the his uh, his triple crown of news magazines. Uh, he made the the cover of Time, Newsweek, and Sports Illustrated all at once, uh, and uh, that had never happened before with any particular sporting personality. Uh, both Time and Newsweek, uh, not being particularly original, but uh, certainly belaboring the uh, the the absolutely true obvious, uh, used the headline "Super Horse," um, and uh, uh, Sports Illustrated had been on the story from the beginning uh, with uh, with their reporters, so it was um, he was he was hyped to the uh, the absolute uh, rafters. Um, I noticed the uh, I, I took a look at to review the what's called the Nielsen ratings, which are a television rating system of how many households are actually watching a particular program, and at the height of television in, in this country, certainly, when there were only the three networks and local stations and local affiliates, when there weren't as many choices, more people tuned into the same things over and over again. And so the Nielsen's had a, a real heft to them. Well, according to the Nielsen ratings for the Belmont Stakes, 52% of the households in the United States of America were watching Secretariat that day. And that's never happened outside of a Super Bowl before. And were you still in California? I was. Uh, I, was not, uh, I was not on the, on the traveling circuit in those days. Uh, there was uh, work to be done at Hollywood Park. Uh, it was quite an exciting scene there uh, to watch it uh, uh, via, via television with everyone else, the other 52% of households. And uh, it was, uh, it was a, it was a, Absolutely a thrilling experience to watch a horse dominate a race as important as the Belmont that uh, Secretariat did by by those 31 lengths. Um, Chick Anderson, of course, had the famous uh, racing call. Uh, Secretariat moving like a tremendous machine when he when he said farewell to the nearest pursuer on the far turn and just started to lengthen his his margin. Uh, I got to know Chick later on because he came to Santa Anita to uh, be the race caller in California. And uh, Chick said he hadn't prepared that at all. It was uh, it was a complete uh, off the cuff ad lib, and uh, one of those that has lived has survived the decades since then as uh, as a touchstone of a race call announcer's uh, work. It must be one of the most remarkable races in the history of the history of horse racing. Well, it is. It's uh, because of the importance. Um, I mean, we've seen horses win by fabulous margins in lesser races, uh, but this was the Belmont Stakes. This was a horse winning the first Triple Crown in 25 years. So all of those things enhanced what was already a remarkable uh, visual feat. 
if it had been if he had won the Wood Memorial by 25 lengths, it wouldn't gone wouldn't have gone down in the same kind of history. But this was the Belmont Stakes, and he was the first Triple Crown winner, the ninth Triple Crown winner in the history of American racing, uh, and the first one since Citation in 1948. And all those things added up to make his Belmont Stakes in that 31 lengths one of those numbers that every little girl and boy who is uh, has any kind of uh, interest in horse racing history is uh, possibly the first number that they memorize. And what challenges, Jay, does the Triple Crown in America pose to a three-year-old? Well, uh, unlike, uh, say, the Triple Crown that's uh, been established over the centuries now in England, uh, we have... Uh, three races in a period of six weeks, um, three different distances, three different racetracks. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a very compressed test of uh, a thoroughbred's stamina and durability and, uh, and also ability to maintain a, a certain form. Um, there are good reasons that uh, there was a tremendous lag between 1978 when affirmed won the triple crown and 2015 when american pharaoh finally did uh and you know we're we're talking about different ways of campaigning horses uh different um levels of com- competition uh and there just were very you know a, a lot of close calls but uh no horse until american pharaoh was able to put all three together and he was obviously a very, a very superior horse. Certainly not another secretariat, but uh, for our day and age, uh, was as 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 close as uh, any horse came to that point. Secretariat raced a lot of times, twenty-one times, winning sixteen times. Uh, how did he come to lose some races? <laughs> well, it's horse racing, Stephen. Where have you been? They all lose. <laughs> Jinsky lost his last two races, for goodness sakes. Uh, and and still he's worshipped. Uh, Cigar lost uh, two of his last three. Um, Zanata last, lost her last race. Uh, these things happen for one reason or another. Yes, he was a super horse. And yes, on his, uh, on his day and even on his off days, he was as good as uh, every horse around him. But um, there were reasons uh, in the... In the Whitney, um, when he was defeated by the older horse uh, Onion, um, Alan Jerkins, the trainer of Onion, um, brilliant watcher of the competition that he is, uh, noticed during the week leading up to that particular race at Saratoga that Secretariat was not training with quite the same verve that he had been in the spring uh, during the Triple Crown. And Jerkins took advantage of that with a with a, a good solid group two and a half two type horse that was uh, very much uh, in form and um, got the job done only by a length but uh, that was all it took um, as far as the um, losing the Woodward stakes um, that was an odd bit of uh, stable management when um, the race came up sloppy and River Ridge was also entered for that race and he just did not like uh, a sloppy muddy racetrack at all secretary was also entered and mrs chenery felt obligated to have uh, the colors fly in that very important race at belmont park so let's let's run the big horse let's run secretariat well uh he was not uh, prepared perfectly for that race and um and he did uh, he did finished second beat well beaten by another alan jerkins horse that day so you know there are there are reasons that uh, even the best ones get beat nine times out of ten it's a it's a, a failure of the the people behind them for one reason or another but did horses 50 years ago race a lot more than they would do today well certainly um yes they did i mean uh, that, that's obvious uh, but um it's tough to compare i mean we, we're talking about a different economy we're talking about uh, different people investing their different kinds of people investing their money uh in horses uh, the uh you know horses have become uh commodified and and uh marketed uh differently and to a greater extent today so expectations are higher for return 
in specific ways. And, uh, you know, perhaps trainers have become a little more conservative uh, with uh, wanting to uh, wanting to show their wares. I, there are so many reasons it's different today than it was 50 years ago that that would be a whole nother show. In November 1973, he came out to a farewell appearance at uh, Aqueduct and over 30,000 people came to see him. Well, that, that will tell you something about his immediate uh, popularity, but his, uh, his lasting legacy. Uh, I guarantee that, um, you know, if, if five years later at the, in the height of his stallion career that you said that he was going to lead the post parade for, uh, you know, a race at Keeneland or, uh, a quiet Thursday at Churchill Downs, you'd you'd get thousands and upon thousands of people that would throng just to see him in the flesh. I was lucky enough to to see him uh, at Claiborne Farm when I toured Kentucky uh, a few years after he went to stud. And um, at Claiborne Farm, he was uh, he was he was one among many. I have to admit, although just being able to see Secretary was uh, was 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 pretty exciting but alongside of him was you know round table and hoist the flag in damascus so uh it was um it was like going to the louvre a new exhibition has just opened at the kentucky derby museum secretariat america's horse and last week i spoke to chris goodlett when did you start planning for the exhibition secretariat america's horse well, you know, as we often say here, people will laugh at us, but, you know, we only get one chance to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Secretariat. And I understand why people would laugh at that, but it's very true. You only get one opportunity to do that. So we've known for some time that we wanted to do something special for the 50th anniversary of Secretary's Triple Crown. I would say active discussions about what we would do probably go back to 2020 uh, during the pandemic year. Uh, we really started engaging with some partners and really thinking about what this exhibit might be, probably in the middle to latter part of 2021. So if you want to look at it from that frame of reference, you're looking at about two years or so, I would say at least, that we've really been actively planning for it, even though some discussions began a little bit earlier. And what's on offer to visitors and racegoers on Kentucky Derby Day? As far as this exhibition? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Secretary of America's horse, I think there's several things that I think will be attractive to visitors and appealing to visitors about this exhibit. We do have some nice artifacts uh, that we will have in the exhibition. We have some artifacts uh, from the Chenery family, directly from the Chenery family. Penny Chenery, of course, the owner of Secretariat. So we have trophies uh, documenting Secretariat's career. Uh, We have some of his Eclipse Awards. Uh, which originated in the early 70s. Those are what we often call here in America, we compare them to racing's Oscars because they're year-end awards that are given to horses, horse of the year, two-year-old of the year, three-year-old of the year, et cetera. And Secretary won several of those in his two- and three-year-old season, and we have a couple on exhibit. So we do have several artifacts. We have some artifacts that talk about Meadow Stable before Secretariat. Of course, Meadow Stable, Secretariat's birthplace, Uh, has a long history with Christopher Chenery, who founded that farm in 1936, had a lot of champions prior to Secretariat. Of course, by the time Secretariat came along, Penny Chenery, his daughter, was in charge. But Metal Stable has a long history. So we have some artifacts that kind of illustrate to people that as great as Secretariat was, as impactful as he was, there was a history to Metal Stable before Secretariat came along. But outside of the artifacts, um, a couple of things that I think are really appealing and different ways of storytelling for the museum. Uh, We partnered with Solid Light, an exhibition firm here in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, a noted design build firm here. And they are leaders in media projections. So in four different places in the museum, we have large, basically floor to ceiling media projections. Sometimes it's looping images. Sometimes it includes video. Uh, One of those media projections in particular, and one of the four, I would say in the centerpiece of the exhibition, we feature all three of his Triple Crown races from gate to wire. Uh, that's that 1973 Kentucky Derby here at Churchill Downs, the 73 Preakness Stakes in Baltimore, Maryland, and that 73 Belmont Stakes in, uh, in Long Island, New York. So we feature all those races. Of course, he set records in all three of those races that still stand. And I think to see those races uh, on that huge projection, uh, seeing them from gate to wire, 
uh, ethics pretty impactful. And it's very right that it be the centerpiece of the exhibition because there's so much to say about Secretariat, but I think you really can encapsulate so much about him just by seeing those three races alone. I think that really gives people an understanding of how dominant and how great of a racehorse he was. And you'll feel like you're in the cinema, I guess. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You know, with the way uh, homes are these days and the large size of uh, televisions and television screens, it may not seem that way. But, yeah, we think it's a, a very nice effect. And it's different from any other exhibition we have in the museum. I mean, our feature exhibition plays in a, a theater called The Great Hall, on a 360-degree screen. But for the most part, our exhibitions on our first and second floor, uh, these media projections are an element that we do not have in any of the exhibitions. And we wanted something unique for Secretariat. The artifacts, of course, are very important. You know, the lifeblood of a museum and really seeing some of these artifacts for uh, a horse like Secretariat had such a storied career and storied life. But we think these media projections really set that exhibit apart and uh, will be a great storytelling uh, immersion and method for our visitors. Now, we're recording here on the 13th of April. What are the, the timescales for when the um, the Secretariat exhibition opens and, and how long is it on for? Well, the Secretariat exhibition will open to the public in a little over a week now, April 21st, a couple of weeks before this year's Kentucky Derby. This is a permanent exhibition at the museum. Uh, we're currently in a five-year exhibit plan where we're upgrading all our permanent exhibitions as it's been 10 plus years for many of them. Uh, so this will open April 21st. It'll be a permanent exhibition. Permanent exhibition in the museum world usually means it's here for at least seven to 10 years. Of course, artifacts will change. Uh, content of those media projections will change. But Secretariat being a legendary horse, so important to racing, so important to the Derby, uh, we feel he merits uh, that permanent exhibition. So we're very excited about that here at the Derby Museum. You must be very proud then to have this exhibition about Secretariat. The Derby Museum is very proud to have this exhibition on Secretariat, uh, not only because of his athletic achievements and his greatness as an athlete, not only because he's so important historically and continues to endure in, in our culture with his legacy and celebrity, but we, you know, we we had some great partners in the exhibition. You know, again, we worked with an exhibit design firm, Solid Light, uh, that has helped us create an experience that we think will be impactful to visitors. We've got to work with the the Tweedy family, uh, the sons and daughters of Penny Chenery, uh, in getting some artifacts here and, and learning some of their stories about uh, Secretariat that could be included in the exhibition. And there's been other partners as well. So we're very excited about the exhibition. It's really going to add a lot to the museum. It's helped us to create some partnerships that we know will endure. Uh, so we're excited to unveil it to the public in April and excited for people to see it. And Chris, you've got the 150th run for the roses next year. More planning. We do. Next year is the 150th run of the Kentucky Derby. You know, one thing we always talk about to all our visitors, whether they're regular adult visitors or education groups, is we remind people that as we're coming up on that 150th anniversary, the first Kentucky Derby was in 1875. So when, when you do that math, that means we've never missed a year. There are all the things that have happened in the United States, world wars, Great Depression, uh, a pandemic. That happened just in 2020. We've never missed a Kentucky Derby. Uh, and that's a what we're proud of. So we're excited to celebrate that 150th next year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What did he and still does mean to Americans? Well, it's difficult to say what uh, a thoroughbred racehorse today, even in the past, means to modern culture. Uh, racing is is very marginalized in, in the United States. Uh, it has a, a a smaller percentage of the sports fan uh, population as as real true serious followers 
but uh, that smaller cohort is very, very dedicated. And uh, I would think that if you had to measure the name recognition of thoroughbreds in a general population, and of course this would skew older, but um, you've got Manowar would be instantly recognized because his name has been invoked in so many different ways through history. Um, Seabiscuit certainly, primarily because of sort of the re-energizing of his story through uh, Laura Hillenbrand's book and the uh, subsequent uh, very good movie uh, that was uh, nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. Um, Secretary would come next on that list. Uh, Cigar had a had his moment in the sun. Uh, he campaigned far and wide for two years. Uh, he made all the the magazines, all the the, the news shows in the mid nineties, and uh, you know was was the horse that everyone knew. But but that that's faded away because he didn't win a triple crown race uh, and uh, wasn't a, a three year old of note. So that's always uh, kind of key to to uh, longevity. Um, Zenyatta, I mean, how can you, how can you think otherwise that she's possibly the most uh, famous mare to ever race in this country, um, with her, uh, her unbeaten streak and her style of coming from nowhere. Uh, she was the subject of a great 60 minutes, uh, uh feature segment that, uh, was seen by millions. Uh, so she certainly, uh, is fairly, fairly, uh, familiar to so many Americans these days. And sports, um, and American Pharaoh, of course, because of his uh, his Triple Crown uh, landmark, uh, the first one since 1978. That's just a handful of horses over the, all the years, but of those, Secretariat would still stand out simply because of of, of the generational uh, sort of uh, uh, inheritance that uh, his name still resounds through the uh, through the years. What does Secretariat mean to Americans? And people from Kentucky. Well, Secretariat, I think, means a lot uh, to horse racing in America. It means a lot to Kentucky as well. You know, for the Kentucky Derby, we've had 148 of them. The 149th is coming up this year. 114 of those Kentucky Derby winners were born, bred here in the state of Kentucky. So Kentucky is proud to call itself the thoroughbred capital of the world. And that's not just for racing. Uh, but the breeding, uh, we are an epicenter of breeding here in the United States of America. So of those 114 that I mentioned, Secretary is a little different because he was not Kentucky born. He was born in Virginia. The Chenry Farm Meadow Stable was in Virginia. So he's a Virginia bred, born in Virginia. Uh, so sometimes people will joke with Kentuckians, why is he so important to Kentucky? He's a Virginia horse. And although that may be true, one of his greatest races was here in Kentucky, the Kentucky Derby. You know, he was most predominant in New York and the East Coast of the United States in his two and three year old season when he was an active racehorse. Uh, the Derby was the only time he raced in Kentucky, but he set a track record of 159 and two fifths that still stands. So that's one reason he's very important to Kentucky. But he continues to be important to Kentucky because even after his racing career, when he retired, when he went to a stallion career, that was at Claiborne Farm in Paris, Kentucky, about 70 miles or so east of Louisville, Kentucky, where the Kentucky Derby is run. So his dying career was here. So uh, he finished out his life here in the state of Kentucky until uh, he died in 1989 due to complications from laminitis. So he's really important to Kentucky for the racing and for the breeding angle as well. But he is a huge, huge horse just in the United States of America. And I think, obviously, his racing achievements are part of that. You know, he came around in 72 and 73. And at that time, the United States of America was, was going through some turmoil. Uh, you know, you have the Watergate scandal of then-President Richard Nixon that's going on. You have the Vietnam War. Uh, there are some sports writers that said that in the early 70s, Secretary was kind of a respite from that. With his athletic achievements as a two-year-old, uh, he won the Eclipse Award uh, for Horse of the Year as a two-year-old. Uh, only one other two-year-old in the Eclipse Award era has done that. So it's a rare achievement for a two-year-old to win Horse of the Year. But those achievements went on uh, in his three-year-old season. Uh, America was really attentive to what he was doing in the spring and early summer of 1973. You know, he won the Kentucky Derby with set, he set a record here, set records in the Preakness Stakes, the second jewel of the Triple Crown, and the Belmont Stakes, the third jewel of the Triple Crown. 
Uh, and in his process of doing that, he was so popular at the time that he appeared on the covers of three magazines in the same week leading up to that Belmont Stakes. He appeared on the covers of Time Magazine, Newsweek, and Sports Illustrated. So he was popular from a news point of view as a newsmaker, but also as a sports icon and athlete. And all those covers came out the same week leading up to his dominant victory in the Belmont Stakes in 1973. So while I was actively racing, America was very engaged with, with what Secretary was doing and achieving on the racetrack. But his importance to America has become even more apparent since then. He is one of the only horses, maybe the only horse, that really transcends the sport of racing in the United States of America. He has a celebrity that uh, I feel is unmatched among horses here in the United States. After all those achievements he had with his racing career, uh, you know, he's had a, a postage stamp that was unveiled in 1999 that has Secretariat's image on it, the United States Postal Stamp. Uh, ESPN, uh, the noted sports network, when it ranked its top 100 athletes of the 20th century, Secretariat was number 35. I believe he was the only horse on that list of the top 100 athletes of the 20th century. And of course, he went on in 2010 to have a film made about him. Walt Disney Pictures uh, released a film named Secretariat. Uh, it said that Penny Chenery, the owner of Secretariat, got several offers for films uh, before she finally approved uh, Disney's script and their approach to the film and, and gave them the rights to make the film. Uh, so he's gone on to be so popular in American culture, e even after that, even after his victories in 1973. Uh, and then also, I'll just add, as far as an athlete, uh, an equine athlete, there's, only, he, there's usually one of two horses that are mentioned as the greatest horse in American horse racing history. Secretariat is one, uh, Man of War is the other. Some people that are really knowledgeable about racing uh, might name some others. But I think for the general public, those are the two names that really come out as the greatest racehorse of all time in the United States of America, Secretary and Man of War. And I can say just with the Kentucky Derby Museum, again, to illustrate his importance to Americans, um, we're a major tourist attraction here in Kentucky. A lot of our visitors from out of town, international visitors, they may only know a little bit about the Kentucky Derby. Maybe they saw it on television uh, and they wondered, why does this race that last two minutes have 160, 170,000 people come every year. And they'll walk through the door to learn why that is. And, and we help them learn why that is. But if they know very nothing else, maybe they just saw it on television, saw the masses and the crowds of people, they usually know that name Secretariat. Even if they're not exactly clear on what he did and his importance, it's a name they've heard. And with this exhibition, we'll now get to engage them in. That's that name you may have known, that you may have heard, but let us tell you about why you've heard that name. Going through this exhibition, you're going to learn why he was so important and get an idea of why he was so significant to Americans. So uh, I think for all those reasons, his athletic achievements, the things he's done, his celebrity, his legacy, which is really unmatched among horses. To me, that's that illustrates why he's so important to Kentucky and why he's so important to the United States of America. He also won two races on the turf. Can you compare because he did that dirt with turf. Right. Well, that was possibly the most exciting uh, in my, the most exciting thing he'd ever did. I, I think, I mean, certainly the triple crown was wonderful, but you know, that's, that's been done before and not the way he did it, setting track records in all three races. But uh, when he won the Belmont stakes by 31 lengths, let's face it, he was beating three-year-olds uh, who had already been proven to be, distanced in class with him and sham was uh was basically pulled up that day uh injured and never ran again sham at his very best that day probably wouldn't have been within a dozen lengths of secretariat at the end so you know all all fairness to uh to the big horse uh for running the race of of his life however if you want to see a horse dominate good horses in a mile and a half race You've got to look at a replay of the Canadian International Championship, his final race at Woodbine. And that is the, the one race that reminds me most of what Flightline did uh, in, uh, in his races during his Horse of the Year campaign last year. Uh, Secretariat simply absolutely ran away with utter contempt from very, very good 
turf horses like Kennedy Road, who was Canadian Horse of the Year, and Big Spruce, who was a winner of both the Marlboro Cup on dirt and the San Luis Rey on turf, and 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 just a host of of really really top grade one horses. Secretariat made them all look like like hobby horses uh, in that race. So that's the race that, uh, as far as I was concerned, put him in a class that probably will never uh, be uh, be approached. I was always think, also thinking, because Secretariat uh, ran on the turf, can you give any comparison to the top uh, European turf horses? Well, you'd like to think that uh, he would have been competitive uh, and that, um, you know, as fast as, I mean, he, he ran American style. He, he, he took his, his, you know, his races by the throat early on the grass. Uh, he was able to, to encounter two fairly firm courses uh, in the Manowar Stakes and in the Canadian International. So who knows how he would have run on, on deeper courses. But his stride, Stephen, was so fluid, so uh, mechanically perfect that um, that I would think that almost any surface uh, would have would have suited him. Um, I, I get a kick out of what other you know great horsemen said when they encountered Secretariat for the first time. Um, I, I ran across a quote from uh, Tommy Smith of all people, who was the great Australian champion trainer uh, trained Kingston town and Tullock for goodness sakes, which is like saying you trained, you know, man of war and citation, but, um, and, and not bad as a sire since his daughter's uh, gay Waterhouse became a, a champion trainer many times over as well. But when Tommy Smith encountered uh, secretariat, he, he simply said, he's an absolute perfect horse. And for someone who has that kind of a standard to look at another man's horse and say, this one is perfect. Uh, that's that's enough for me to uh, to sort of park any opinions I might have by the side of the road and defer to those kind of people. Returning to the present, what are your thoughts on the 149th Kentucky Derby? Oh, it should be a scramble. Uh, I think there's a lot of horses that fit, uh, you know, within a very narrow range of uh, of ability. Uh, of course, un unproven as they all are this time of year going a mile and a quarter if it's a sternly run race um i have been a fan of the santa anita derby winner practical move uh since uh his uh two-year-old season uh he's a son of um practical joke who was uh, is a, a stallion who's known for putting some speed in his horses but he's also a son of a daughter of a fleet Alex who won both the Preakness and the Belmont stakes uh, pretty comprehensively. So I'm not too worried about him uh, getting a mile and a quarter uh, at, uh, at this level. Um, Forte, I mean, he's, he's been pretty much flawless since he hit his best stride last uh, fall in the, in the Keeneland race and in the Breeders' Cup. So, uh, you know, there's uh, there's two horses right there that uh, are going to make it interesting. But you can go six or seven deep and and make a case for several horses here, including one that might not even get in the race named Skinner, uh, son of Curlin, who um, is just on the outside of the 20 eligibles looking in and needs one more horse to scratch for him to get in. He was laying right on top of of uh, Practical Joke at the end of the Santa Anita Derby in a very close uh, three-way finish. And uh, has been improving by leaps and bounds this winter for John Sheriffs, who all he did was win the Kentucky Derby with a similarly campaigned horse named Giacomo at 50 to 1. Talking about 50 to 1, uh, can it be as dramatic as last year's race? Well, that was 80 to 1. Yes, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, we won't see a rich strike uh, sneak in, uh, you know, over the transom for. For a long time, in this, in the same way, uh, that was uh, that was unusual. That was every bit as uh, as as shocking and bracing as uh, when Mind That Bird came from New Mexico to win by eight and a half lengths at fifty to one uh, back in two thousand nine. So we have had some we've had some shockers in this century, and it's it's good. It's uh, these are these they slap us into reality that the Kentucky Derby is that one off race that horses will never, never have, have encountered before and will never encounter a race like that again. And quite literally, anything 
can and has happened. That was certainly a difficult race to call last year's. Well, yes. I mean, you know, you can always uh, you can always reconstruct uh, enough of a case for almost any horse when they when they upset a, a race like that. Uh, and uh, but you know, we could be looking at uh, a, a less than um, let's just say a more mediocre Derby group last year than this year. Unfortunately, several of the the horses from that class. Uh, weren't able to uh, train on or make it into their four-year-old season because of either injury or retirement. So we have no real we have no real feel for how good of a, a field Rich Strike was able to surprise. And you know he hasn't won a race since then. We must end with the star of the show, Secretariat. Looking back, you must feel grateful to have begun your own racing career in 1973. There's no question that uh, that sort of, you know, branded me uh, as uh, as a lifer. Uh, if uh, if horse racing is going to bring this much excitement, this much satisfaction, I mean, I was already a, a a bit of an amateur historian, and for history to be unfolding, you know, in real time, right in front of me, uh, with having access to a lot of the players. Uh, and a lot of the principles uh, over the ensuing years. Yes, uh, I felt, I feel very fortunate that Secretariat, uh, the entire story has been part of my lifetime. Um, and um, people that have come to the game after Secretariat's uh, heyday and even after his death, uh, I think that um, one of the first stories, pages of history that they turn to is Secretariat, and rightfully so, because he is um he is without question uh the most important horse of the 20th century for american thoroughbred racing well there couldn't be a finer way to end the podcast than that jj thank you again for being on the paddock and the pavilion Stephen, it's always a pleasure even if it's only two or three years to speak with you and uh, i hope you have a wonderful spring in racing thank you very much thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.